you one is you know dancing crazy and the other one is trying to do a slow jazz, then I don't think that really works. Paddles up and welcome to episode five of the Pickleball Gurus podcast. I'm Randy Mantiply and I'm here with Crane Carnot, the Pickleball Guru, the world's premier pickleball coach and author of the best-selling book Smart Pickleball and World Traveler. Crane, you just got back from India and France. How was your time over there? Thanks, Randy. Hey, Guru Nation. Uh, well, I had a fantastic time in uh, France, in southern France, and, and played a lot of pickleball and taught a um, bunch of players out there who were getting ready for the Bainbridge Cup. Um, and then I flew into India and taught in uh, three different locations. It's actually, and I had a fantastic time. There's a really, really large uh, group of players, and there's a really emerging amount of uh, uh, young players coming from uh, different parts of the states. It's uh, it's very, very fun to see pickleball pick up uh, big in uh, in India too. So, I'm pretty excited about it. And I think you mentioned you were in Chennai, Jaipur, and was there? You said a third location. Uh, Pondicherry, uh, which is where my parents actually are uh, based off, and uh, there's actually a pickleball community there too. Oh, great. That must have been just so exciting to go there. It was. It was fun. It was really, especially, you know, a lot of young people coming into it. So there's uh, this potential for this market to grow very fast there. Yeah, huge potential market. Prame, for this episode, getting back to the podcast, we're going to be talking about patience. This is all going to be about pickleball, but I'm going to start with a little bit of stuff from basketball, a term known as hero ball. Charles Barkley, the round man of rebound, used the term hero ball a lot. The best that I could find for the originator is Henry Abbott, who wrote an article about it, and I'll provide a link to it in the show notes. Now, hero ball is not overly positive. It's when a player tries to take over the game, but then forgets about teamwork. In other words, there's not a shot that he doesn't like, or the player tries to win the point on every shot that he gets. Prane, you shouldn't be trying to go for a winner with every shot, should you? Um, it's definitely not what I would recommend. Uh, I think of playing uh, as, as a team and setting it up uh, so that you can actually hit some good absolute, absolute winners is what I would suggest, uh, rather than uh, go for absolute winners on every every shot. Um, I often say that is like if you're uh, if you hit a you you might get away with it and you might be a hero shot and you might get a hero shot out of it but if you miss it it's a zero shot <laughs> zero shot and you can get your partner in a certain amount of trouble by trying to hit a winner on every shot can't you absolutely absolutely there's uh, no doubt about it uh, it's uh, playing pickleball doubles is fun when uh, when a team can play together as an in tandem and uh, and figure out and outwit uh, their opponents uh, strategically, uh, it's uh, it's always a it's a beauty when uh, when both work together. And to emphasize that not every shot is a winner, you give out a stat at your clinics and boot camps about the side that tries to speed up the play or force a winner typically loses that, and it's a really high percentage. Absolutely. Uh, I actually, uh, it was someone who did some stats around some really high-end play at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago, and uh, they came up with a stat, and then they saw that 80% of the point was lost by the team. I mean, 80% of the points were lost by the team, which tried to speed up the ball or try to go for an attacking shot. 
and lost the point. So there you have it. And, you know, it's not always, even in the highest level, it's not always the best shot to have. Um, I'm all about aggression. Uh, it's just being more strategic about when to do it. And, uh, you know, I talk about this in my book as well as in my in my clinics and in boot camps uh, about uh, being the crouching tiger. The, the the best example I can give you: a tiger crouches, waits patiently, and you know waits for the opportunity to pounce um, on its prey when the prey is the the most vulnerable. It's the same way in, in terms of doubles play. Uh, our patience is is the key. And the crouching part is the patience game. And the slow game is your setup game for your, uh, your aggress- aggressive strokes. Uh, so, um, all about aggression as long as it's well, uh, well planned out. And I'll also say well placed. Uh, another example that I'll give for a quote unquote hero shot is when you get one of those nice juicy high ones and your opponents are in trouble no matter what you do. But instead, you go for the low percentage sideline winner instead of maybe towards the middle. Uh, should people focus more on, in this example, focus more on placement as opposed to just powering the ball to wherever you want to? Randy, I'm a big, big, big proponent of placement over power any day. Um, a, a good placement ball is as effective as a power drive. And placing it in, in between the players is always the highest percentile of uh, success than trying to hit it uh, down the line. Um, I don't say that you, if you have a gaping hole, you should go for not go for it. But if it is, um, you know, it's the safest shot and it's actually more effective too. Because uh, if you actually watch uh, most good players out there, and if you look at the, then I, I'm, I can bet you on that one that uh, most winning shots are played in between the players, which I mean the middle of the two players, not the middle of the court. Right. And it has got a higher success rate than um, than going for the, the sidelines. And these are the players who have the best ball control, and it doesn't mean they can't hit those sidelines if they want to, uh, but their highest percentage of shots are in the middle. They want to keep it safe and effective. Right. So to be patient, and to wait for your shot, I'm going to give an example about buying a car. Let's say you know the make and the model, and you go to the dealership, and you're ready to buy, but the car isn't exactly the color you want and doesn't have those nice leather seats. And you can go ahead and buy that car, but if you wait just a week, the dealer will have that car with your color and the leather seats. So you could buy the car today, or you could wait for the perfect car. Prame, what am I getting at here? It's it's about instant gratification. You know, you could either wait patiently and 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 get the the best possible outcome in a pickleball on a pickleball court, or you know you can probably go for the instant gratification and you might get you might get it, but it might not be as satisfying, and it might not always have the success rate that you want. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes perfect sense, and in, especially in rec play. Uh, rallies are pretty short. Now, is it, uh, what, what do you think it is? Do you think it's impatient? Is it trying to go for too many early winners? Or is it just trying to speed the game up as many people want to do, as in that 80% stat? Um, I would think it's more of a lack of patience than anything else. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, the 
people sometimes think that it is the best shot to hit at the time, and then they lose patience and focus. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you look uh, good players, uh, good players is they become consistent, which means that they keep hitting balls, uh, you know, more times than normally some number of lower end players would do. And they get better at it simply because by getting consistent and then consistency comes with patience um, because they keep hitting the same stroke uh, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 40 times. And then they have uh, the patience to wait for the opportunity when the ball is high enough for them to to, to do anything with it. Um, so that's the key. I think most players uh, lose patience and then lose because of they lose because they lose patience, they lose also the consistency factor. Yeah, and you pretty much buried the lead on me here. And let's look at the pros for a minute. Their rallies can be really, really long. We're talking 20 to 30, 40 shots, uh, 20 to 30 to 40 dinks. And that says to me that patience is not only a virtue, but it's actually a winning strategy, yes? Absolutely, Randy. Um, in fact, uh, I would say that uh, the recent U.S. Open uh, finals match, uh, if you look at the last point, the last rally, actually, the winning one where Collier and Matt Wright end up winning the title. Uh, if you look at it, it probably lasted for about, you know, easily five, six or seven minutes. Uh, uh, and it was probably, I don't know how many dinks and power shots were there, but mostly lots of dinks. It just went for a long time. And um, again, uh, that is uh, again, a commentary on that one was very clear, and the one who actually was patient enough to and wait for the opportunity to attack was the one ended up winning it. Uh, so it is definitely a virtue. And it's very, very difficult to learn this. So what I want you to do is tell us what's a tool for learning patience on the court. Referring to basketball again for just a moment, in the movie Hoosiers, Gene Hackman plays a high school basketball coach who doesn't let his players take a shot until they make at least four passes. Is that something players can do on the pickleball courts, wait for 10 dinks or 10 shots before even thinking about going for a winner? Absolutely, um, uh, Randy. And, you know, we have done this before at uh, boot camps. Um, since you've been part of, uh, you know that uh, sometimes I actually ask my students to hit 30 or 40 dinks before they can actually attack the ball. And so it gives them, uh, no matter how high the ball is, I, I actually ask, force them to actually just you know, keep the ball in play for another, you know, 30 balls, dink at least 30 or 40 balls so that they can actually attack the ball. So it's something that you can learn. And, you know, at the beginning, it, it might, you know, they might miss it. You know, they might lose patience in their five or six Point, five rallies, and then they start getting more and more consistent. And by the time you know the session is over, they are actually very, very consistent. They actually start getting more and more balls and more and more patient, and start actually enjoying the idea of uh, being the uh, crouching tiger and waiting for the time to attack. And uh, as part of that thirty dink drill. Uh, just to be clear, what you're saying is they're not allowed to attack the ball after 30 dinks, but once thir dink number 31 pops up, uh, that doesn't mean you ought to attack dink number 31, does it? Absolutely not. 30 is the minimum, but uh, by the time people get so consistent by the 30, sometimes it might go another 30 dinks before they actually get the opportunity to get a ball which is attackable. 
So, um, so that's the fun part about having patient is that, um, really, you know, the thing is a minimum, giving them a minimum amount of time to actually focus on trying to get the ball, the ball across the net. And, um, but it doesn't have to be the 31st thing. Um, it could be probably the 40th, 50th, 60th, or 70th sometimes. Uh, generally by the time people start getting consistent with that, they gen- generally tend to be more, uh, more, uh, you know, hit really, really solid, uh, unattackable things, which makes it very difficult for the opponent to attack anything. So, yes. So 30 is the minimum, but again, I said, depending on the skill level, it might go to 40, it might go to 50, it might go to 100 even. Right, depending on how good the dinks are on both sides. And depending on how good the players are. You know, right. if the players are actually more patient and just work on the endurance part and patient part, uh, and that's how you train yourself to be more patient. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, your patience level is probably about a 12, and mine is about a 4. And the more patient player it can really lull a player to sleep, can't he? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, that's the, the common denomination of a very good player to a uh, not so good player. It doesn't mean that just because I have on your scale at 12 patients that I'm a better player, but it definitely makes it more consistent uh, if you're patient to attack balls, then uh, you have a little bit more consistency coming into play than someone who is less, cons- who is less patient, which means they're getting less consistent because they don't wait for the opportunity to attack, but they attack too quickly, too soon. And I know you also do a good job of recognizing when that one player is kind of lulled to sleep or he starts fantasizing about something on the court. How do you know when he's no longer into the game? Um, there are two things I often say to people when they are in in, in playing pickleball. One is you know, keep the paddle up, which is a very important part of the game, and also being ready. And sometimes people actually confuse themselves saying, thinking that they're being, just keeping the paddle up, they tend to be ready. It is not always true that they're ready. Um, what does that really mean? It's basically focused on every ball. Um, and as they watch, even if the ball is not coming to them, that they keep watching and tracking the ball. And like um, I mentioned in the book, it's like a dog watching a bone, <laughs> um, basically following and tracking the ball. So when I notice that, that there's no more tracking happening, that is when I'm going to attack because I know that they are not ready anymore. Right. They've just totally let their guard down. Absolutely. And I imagine it helps that if you have a partner who was patient. And um, even if I'm pretty impatient, I find that if I can get into a dinking rally, it's easy for me to control the point. But when I have a partner that wants to speed it up, not so good things happen when that person's actually more impatient than I am. Absolutely. Again, you know, we talked about this in the, uh, before, you know, in the stats of, uh, the player who, uh, the team which attacks the most actually lose the point most of the time. 80% of the time the point is lost by the team which actually speeds it up or starts wanting to attack. Um, I'm not all, I'm all agree- about aggression. It's just being more smart about it, knowing when to be aggressive and when to know when to pull the, pull the trigger on, on a shot. And um, like anything else, you know, if you have, no matter what the rhythm is, you know, if you have a, a, a dancing partner who can dance to to the tune together, then it makes it great. If one is, you know, dancing crazy and the other one is trying to do a slow jazz, then I don't think that really works. Um, <laughs> so the, the same analogy applies here. If you have, a, you know, 
both of people love jazz and want to dance together, then that makes it a much more ideal dance combination than when one's doing disco and the other is doing jazz. It doesn't really work. So uh, it's the same way in, on a pickleball court. You work on a tandem. With both the partners are able to play um, uh, a patient game and uh, wait for the opportunity to attack, and it makes it much, much more fun for both of them. And to reiterate, being patient is a more viable strategy. We've given some examples in a drill to try and be more patient on the court, but in overall sense, Prane, how does one be more patient on the court? Uh, to be more patient on the court, I think um, uh, you've got to be more patient off the court, too. So I think uh, uh, there's lots of practices out there, you know, uh, uh, Pilates, Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, um, these practices actually help uh, or breathing techniques which help you to sort of really rhythm yourself into a certain speed um, uh, of, and then it relaxes you more and when you're more relaxed it's much more easier to be more patient and, and uh, more oxygen flow into your brain goes. You have a little bit more, you know, you actually get visualize the court uh, also better, um, not only on the court, but also in life, just in general. Very good. And we're not going to end this episode just yet. Someone sent in a pretty good question. When playing Cutthroat, John says, Hi, Prem. Enjoyed your book. Very helpful. My question. We play three most of the time, and I'm a 2.5 player, according to your grading scale. When serving to the other two on the other side of the net, I try to play them as doubles, keeping my returns to the deep person, lob over the person at the NVZ. If I try to play them with me going up to the NVZ line, I have no success against them. Would you please provide some strategy suggestions as all the books I've read on pickleball and tennis just has guidance for singles and doubles play? Wish we had a fourth, but for now, no one else is available. Now, full court two-on-one is really difficult. Uh, especially if there's a, a skill, a player skill level difference that appears to be going on here. Uh, what should John be doing besides looking for a fourth player? Besides looking for me as his fourth pot, a partner to play with him, um, I would probably say uh, the best strategy at that point is to do what you call the cutthroat um, version pickleball. Um, which is uh, two players on one side and one player on the other side. Two players have access to one side of the court, so which means basically if there are two, you know, two halves of uh, the court, they they are only targeting one side of the court. So which basically means that they have to hit all the balls to that one particular side, and uh, the person who's on the single part has access to both the court, both the sides of the court because there are two players on the other side. So which basically means that um, it's like a double strategy. They are focused on only one side, which means that you run less, and John doesn't have to run that much, and he still has to focus on trying to move his opponents back and forth or side to side. Um, well, they have to focus only on trying to get the ball to one side. If he gains a point, he moves to the other side, so they have the other half. Um, and uh, if they lose a point, then he rotates, and he gets to become the doubles player, and the player... On, on the double side, one of the players moves into playing the single court only on the half side. So it's basically singles, half a skinny skin singles for one person and the rest have to actually play, uh, both of them have to play one side of the court and then the rest, uh, the person who's on the single side plays the whole court uh, for uh, to, the, to the opponent side. 
hopefully I'm making sense. Maybe, Randy, you are, you can make it clearer for them. No, it, it makes perfect sense to me because it, um, because when you do that, it, it emulates a doubles play more so than when you just have two on one and the one person's playing the full court. Because mm-hmm. no matter the skill level, playing one person playing a full court against two people, it's it's very difficult. Uh, there's uh, even though the pickleball court's smaller than a tennis court, it, there's surprisingly a lot of ground to cover if you're the only one trying to cover it. Uh, so yeah, I, I like your idea, and they, they should be doing that anyway. No matter even if they were all of the same skill, I would say they should do that just so they could emulate a doubles game more so than um, uh, essentially a two-on-one singles game that they're doing. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, even if you are, unless you are, you know, one of those top singles player who can move around agile all around the court, I don't think that's actually a very ideal situ- situation when you are playing a cutthroat or a, uh, a game over three players, so it makes it easier that way. Yeah. That's my suggestion. And not only that, it's a, it, to me, it doesn't sound like very much fun, especially for John. Absolutely not. You know, it, it just is, you know, it's just more tiring and, you know, it's not, you know, you lose more energy and without being able to actually hit decent shots. All right. Very good. Thank you, Prane. And there we have it. Episode five, Patience, Grasshopper. You don't have to force yourself for four, five, seven, or even 30 dinks, but remember that not every shot needs to be a winner. Like I mentioned earlier, I put a link to the article on Hero Ball in the show notes at thepickleballguru.com slash podcast, and you see a special coupon code for $500 off one of Prame's upcoming boot camps. Prame has three more this year, 2018, in Vail, Colorado in August, Sacramento, California in October, and Tucson, Arizona in November. There's also two boot camps in Vero Beach in January that just opened up, and you can get more details at thepickleballguru.com slash bootcamp. If you're enjoying listening to the Guru Talk Smart Pickleball, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. A link is available down in the show notes. We would appreciate it greatly. Also, don't hesitate to visit thepickleballguru.com for lots and lots of tips, tricks, and strategies to improve your pickleball game. While there, sign up for his free newsletter to get notified about new pickleball strategies and when the next podcast episode is uploaded. You can also subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the episode right when it's up. Prem has helped thousands of pickleball players throughout the world improve their game, and he can improve your game too. And finally, if you have any questions about the podcast, attending a boot camp, or a pickleball question you want Prem to answer, either send me an email at randy at thepickleballguru.com, that's R-A-N-D-Y, at thepickleballguru.com, or give us a call or text at 703-459-0001. That number again is 703-459-0001. Paddles up, Guru Nation, and thanks for listening. Thank you, Randy. I really, really enjoy uh, hearing uh, from uh, from the Guru Nation, and uh, thanks to John and uh, multiple questions for which people keep asking. Um, it uh, it's thriving for us to answer uh, questions which makes um, relevance to, to to people who play this game, this crazy game we love. Um, have a wonderful, blissful uh, day wherever you are, and uh, see you on the next episode. Thanks, Brian.